I hope you will be able to enjoy our fellowship this morning uh, in a in a, in an atmosphere of joy, an atmosphere of love, and an atmosphere of freedom that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. So, if I crack some jokes, it's not that I'm not taking God seriously. Uh, it's because we we are God's children, and we should be happy to you know to, as brothers and sisters to have fun. Amen. Amen. That fun may rub somebody else the wrong way. <laughs> oh Lord. You know, the, the way the world has go, is going right now, or the way religion has saturated the world, has made it a bit challenging for pastors like me to make a statement and move on. I have to clarify everything I say, because many things can be misconstrued. And I feel in my heart to say to someone right now, uh, you, you, you're following quite a lot of um, preachers on social media, and um, you, you, can't, you are kind of not stable in your Christian walk. I feel the Lord is saying to you this morning that it's, if you want to be really stable in your walk, you need to stick to what the Word of God says. You know, identify maybe one or two, a very few, you know, uh, that of, of maybe preachers or pastors who teach the Word of God and stick to it. Stop jumping from one revelation to another. What's the new thing? What's the in thing? Oh, friend, the Word of God is true. The Word of God is real. And I want you to understand that each and every one of us, right, may have a unique experience with God. And that unique experience we, we have with God is based on how God chooses to relate with us individually, based on many factors, maybe our passion, our level of our spirituality. Uh, the fact that we have a unique, exp- unique experience with God does not mean that we should project or expect everybody else to live their Christian life that way. So why, have I, why am I saying this? Many preachers out there have had one unique experience with God one way or the other, which most of the time is not consistent. Uh, because, you know, if you find yourself in a kind of funny situation at any point in time, when I say funny situation, maybe a challenging, a difficult or tough situation, sometimes you don't even know how to pray right. But God just comes through for you because he sees your heart. And some people, because God came through for them in a particular situation, they, they begin to see God only from that angle and they ignore the word of God. So this is kind of what we have on social media today. There's a lot of preachers and pastors who are preaching their experience. And it's sad to say that many Christians have embraced this um, unique experience as true Christianity, but it is false. And that is why they will never have consistent results. But if you follow the word of God, if you stick to the word of God, you will have consistent results trusting the Lord because the word of God is constant. The word of God is stable. God is ever faithful to fulfill his word and God does not change. Amen. So God is saying to someone, I feel the Holy Spirit is saying to someone this morning that if you really want to mature in your Christian life, you got to cut off from a lot of all this side attractions, feel good, sentimental preachings and teachings, and focus on the few where you have the word of God. And I think I'm going to say about that is a lot is showing me that uh, there's a lot of uh, feel good and sentimental messages on social media. Uh, and some names have been given to me. I mean, even someone who's like a sister to me told me about a man of God, uh, kind of I'd maybe recommended or suggested a man of God to me. And I listened to this guy. The messages that is st- is a very popular guy. I mean, very popular, very well respected in Africa. The messages he preaches, they are very sentimental. It's like somebody telling you about culture, about tradition, about the way of life, principles of life. Many of the things that you're going to find on um, motivational books, 
right? Um, all this motivation, all this motivational speaker's book and some other kind of philosophy and principles of life. But he doesn't teach them the gospel and it, it drives a lot of crowd. You know, one of his messages was uh, was about how to get this kind of anointing. What kind of anointing, man of God, with all due respect? Because the Bible tells us that you have been anointed with the same, you and I, every one of us have been anointed with the same spirit that was upon Christ Jesus, that was in Christ Jesus. So you don't need to pray for a special anointing. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians 1, 19, that, make, that you know, Paul praying for the Ephesian church, that their eyes of understanding will be enlightened, that they may see what is inside of them. They may see the resurrection power of God that is at work in them and work for them. Paul even said in Ephesians 3, 20, he said, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, Let's go to Ephesians 3.20. Uh, let me see this. Okay, I'm using my Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So Paul is saying to you that no matter how big you want to see God work in your life, no matter how massive, how great you want to see God work in your life, he's saying to you that, no, think about the highest, the best, the highest level of uh, demonstration of God's power in your life. Paul is saying to you that the power you need to see the power of God work in your life is already inside of you. That power is working in you. Amen. And I thank God how the Holy Ghost has led me in this direction because and this is amazing because I'm going to be, I mean, uh, going into my message from this point, and I love the Holy Spirit. He is so good. Now, Paul is saying to you, he said, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask, that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. There is a power working in you. If the power of God is at work in you. Paul is not pray, saying here that you should pray that God should give you that power, should give you that anointing. The power is at work in you. Let's go to Ephesians 1, 19. Ephesians 1, 19. It says, uh, it said, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Now, if you start from 16, it talks about um, Paul was praying for the Ephesian church that their eyes of understanding will be enlightened, that they will have a revelation understanding. And one of the things that he prayed for them about that they will have a revelation understanding of is this verse 19 said, and what is the exceeding greatness? He said, the, he said exceeding greatness. He didn't say great. Exceeding great. Great, great. Right. Great, 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 great. Great to the power of infinity. The exceeding greatness of his power. Not your power. But exceeding greatness of God's power toward you who believe. So this is for the this is the right, the birthright, the spiritual birthright of every believer. Now the, the, the God's power does not work greatly only in the life of pastors or the fivefold ministry. The power of God is exceedingly available to you. The exceeding greatness of God's power is available to everyone who believes, including the person who gave their life to Christ today. Amen. It says, um, let me take that again. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Amen. The title of my message today is Emotions versus Reality, Part 2. Today I'm trusting God. The way it's going is going to help me to conclude this. What I want to do in this service today is to help you transition Amen. To transition from being emotionally minded, emotionally driven, to the point where you are spiritually driven. You are spiritually minded. Many Christians feel powerless. But the Bible is telling us from the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 and Ephesians 3.20 that you are not a powerless Christian. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you also do. Greater works than this shall you do because I go to my Father. Now, when Jesus said that word in the book of John chapter 14, he did not, he did not specify any kind of um, what's called, called a ministry office. And when I say ministry office, I'm talking about whether the office of a pastor, the prophet, the, the apostle, the evangelist, no, or the teacher. He did not say that the, this five-word ministry, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, you know, he didn't say that this ones, this this particular classes are the one who can do great things. He said, everyone, because if you can read, I'm not trying to insult you, if you can read in Ephesians uh, 1, 19, say, say there, it says to you who believe, the exceeding greatness of his power toward you who believe. So your qualification for the exceedingly great power of God, the power with which God raised Jesus from the dead, your qualification to have that power is only to believe. Somebody say believe. Believe. Say believe. Say, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. I choose to believe. Now I'm jumping ahead of myself because the Holy Ghost is very, very strategic how he ministers to, how he ministers the word. So I'm just going to flow with him today. So how you transition from the realm of emotions to reality, one, two, is to believe. It's what is to believe. You know, last week I said I was going to read to you 2 Kings 6, 8 to 17. We're going to get there today. Now, so let's quickly do a run through what I talked about last week. Uh, now, um, so last week I talked about, I defined emotion, emotions, emotions, and one of my definitions last week was a strong feeling driven from one's circumstances, mood, or relationships with others. Um, my wife will pull up um, a screen of the kind of emotions that we, we looked at last week. Amen. Now, and we looked at the examples of, uh, common examples of emotions, you know, uh, we looked at, we, you know, on your screen there, you find sadness, happiness, fear, anger, surprise, disgust. But the sad, one sad thing is that a lot of us, we, 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 we run our life by these emotions you see on the screen. You know, some people, if they feel sad, then they, they are sad and they, 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 they walk with that sadness. If they feel happy, the day is good. You know, if uh, they watch a horror movie or they hear news, there's so much fear and fear runs their life and they begin to make fear-based decisions. People are angry, you know, angry at themselves, but they think their wife or their spouse is the one getting them angry. See, anger is something. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. Hey, man, God help me this morning. Right. So, anger. Okay, you know what? Let me go through the other two emotions, and I'm gonna come. I'm gonna go back to anger, then you know we can take that off the screen. Yeah. So surprise. Some people just want surprise all the time. They're expecting God to do a miracle all the time. Surprised, you know. So I know that there are definitions on this. Um, on these emotions, but I'm trying to uh, tailor them to how it applies to every Christian. And there's disgust as well. Amen. I will not be able to go too much into that this morning. So now let's talk about anger quickly before I carry on. 
Now, so anger there was defined as an emotional state of le- an emotional state leading to feelings of hostility and frustration. I feel in my heart to quickly address something here. Most of the time, we, we use the word, it got me angry. No, it didn't got you angry. You got angry. Because anger is a response to something, it's an emotional response to something that someone do to you. And we must learn to take responsibility for our emotions. Amen. So the feeling of anger will come, but you will have to choose not to dwell on it. And for you not to dwell on anger, you have to train your mind, train yourself to manage your anger. Because there are many things that drive anger in people, most of which is self-centeredness, bitterness, resentment in their personal life. You know, if I don't have resentment in my heart, if I'm not selfish, if I'm not working on forgiveness, if I'm not working in a regret, when people do nasty stuff towards me, I may feel angry, but I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to treat them badly. I'm saying to you by the authority of the, of the word of God, that anger is your own way, your choice of response. Now, many of us do not know that, um, you know, the way we kind of flip quickly to, to, to be angry, you know, to re, you know, in reaction towards people and to mistreat people, many of us don't realize that it's, I mean, that state of mind is an accumulation of, uh, and it is an accumulation of prolonged exposure to negative angry thoughts, unforgiveness, and all kind of toxic thoughts and emotions. So when you're exposed to these negative thoughts, all star thoughts for a long period of time, you know, it kind of becomes a stronghold in your heart and it drives how you respond to people. And to tell you from the word of God that anger is a chosen response to situations, the Bible says that you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So the Bible puts a responsibility on you and I to be slow to anger. So if we cannot be slow to anger, the Bible will not tell us that we should be slow to anger. But this requires training. So people do silly stuff and you you say to yourself, no, I'm not going to take offense in this. Friend, I will tell you to transition from living an emotion-driven life to a point whereby you are living a principle-driven life. A Bible-based, principle-driven life, it takes practice and you have to be conscious of it. I say, I came from a family background where there's abuse and all kind of negative stuff, right? But when I, you know, when I got married and, um, or before I got married, and my fiancé at that time, with my wife now, we do some stuff, you know, and anger wants to kind of run, run me. No, I say to that emotions, I'm not my father. And I will not act like my father because my father was busy beating up my mom, beating up everybody in the house. And um, young men, listen to this. So if you hold your father in unforgiveness and bitterness, you are likely to end up like him. He's a strategic operation of the devil. So what many young men hate in their father and what they don't want to become, because they allow the anger to fester in their heart, they end up becoming like their father and beating their wife is a strategic thing. You know, and this is part of what I believe God is leading me to teach you guys and to lead you guys into that to understand how things really work, not just how you feel, to be exposed to the realm of the spirit, to be exposed to spiritual reality. Friends, this the realm of the spirit is the most real realm. Amen. Maybe more to come. 
in future about anger. Now, let's get to reality. Now, uh, let me. Def- I want. I would like to define reality this way: the state of things as they actually exist. I love this. You know, last week I talked about emotions, emotions versus reality, but I didn't give you a definition, right? I'll just kind of try to lay the foundation. But now let's talk about um, reality. So emotions is you know, a feeling derived from one's circumstances, mood, or relationships with others, you know, instinctive feeling. But, you know, you can see that emotions, you know, they are subject to other things. They are subject to other things. And the emotions that we choose to nurse, entertain, is what determine is what <laughs> Jesus Christ is Lord is what tends to appear real to us. So if you choose to be angry towards your fiance or your wife, right? Uh, because you do not know that anger is a personal response to whatever your spouse have done, right? And you keep getting angry. Do you know the reality that's going to be painted in you in your mind? Yeah, she's wicked or he's wicked. He's a bad person. He's this. He's that. No, and funny thing, sometimes um, one of the reasons why many marriages are not working today is because of accumulation of um, speculative imagination, whereby people think this, people think that. People don't communicate in marriage and they just think, uh, because he did this, he must amend this. Sit down and ask questions. You'll be surprised that the enemy is just trying to play you or your mind or your flesh is trying to play you guys. Amen. So, Reality, the state of things as they actually exist. Amen. The state of things as they actually exist. No one starts smiling and laughing is because something is coming. Amen. As opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them. So, uh, the, the opposite of reality is what you think, what you feel. You know, a concept, something abstract. But for the believer, you need to understand that you are a spirit, you're a member of the family of God, and you belong to a kingdom that is real. Amen. Let's go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. uh, 6. Verse 18. So in case you are looking for the book of 2 Kings, go after uh, after Revelation, you might find the kings there. I was joking. 2 <laughs> Kings, after 1 Kings. <laughs> Amen. Right, 2 Kings 6, 8. This is interesting. Are you ready for this? So let's go. So now the king of Syria was making some reading from the New King James Version. So the Bible says, said, now the king of Syria was making war against Israel and he consulted with his servants, saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware. So, uh, just to help you a little bit now. King of Syria is having, is planning things in his heart against Israel, right? And there's a man of God who goes to the king of Israel and say, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Because those verses are matched, so I, I, feel, I feel I should explain it to you. So what's happening there is this. King of Syria is against the king of Israel, and he's always planning scheme to attack Israel. Uh, but as a man of God, who goes to the king of Israel and exposes the scheme of the king of Israel. Make sense? Let's go. Verse 10. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. 
Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by his thing, by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And of and one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. I love that. Oh, you know, I like those kind of effects, right? Carry on. So this is not CCTV or kind of um, or kind of bugging. This is spiritual. Amen. Verse 13 says, So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. Okay, let me pause there. <laughs> this king is silly. I mean, the king of Syria. So a, a prophet is exposing your secret to the king of Israel. One man. You sent chariots, army for one man. He must be so silly. <laughs> right, this is just when I just, I'm catching funny here. All right, let's, let's carry on. So, Verse 14, I take it in. I'll, I'll repeat verse 14. It says, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? What it means is that the guy was scared. Right. Imagine you wake up one morning, right, because of your pastor. And um, maybe Germany or something sent um, hammer tank, you know, um, ro- uh, what's it called helicopters to come and arrest me because I'm exposing their secret to uh, Boris Johnson. He hasn't asked me, right? <laughs> We're gonna enjoy service this morning. I get to me and um, say for instance, my wife is not, my wife is never afraid, right? <laughs> but sometimes she may have issues with spiders. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, let's get to it. Let's get, let's get to it. She said, wow. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We don't have spirit of fear, right? So, good. So, my wife, maybe she, she woke up. Okay, let me not use my wife so that I don't have to go for marriage counseling. So, so maybe I have a PA, right? I'm a personal assistant. And he or she opens the window and um, surrounding the church on my property is this, all the soldiers, you know, with their armor tank and everything. And he or she says, now, Pastor, what shall we do? It means he or she is what scared. But watch this. So, uh, so he answered. So the, the the servant asked, "What shall we do?" But the man of God answered, "Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them." Imagine me saying that to my peer. He or she just gonna think I'm out of my mind. Like, look at all these military men. Look at the helicopters. Look at the hammer tank i mean look at look at foot soldiers look at the snipers look at the you know look at the what's going on which other one again they're going to call look at swat look at look at mi-16 look at cia all of them are, are here to to apprehend you and you're saying that you know they that are with us are more than that we're just three in the house you myself your wife are like are we are we okay here but watch this so he answered do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them and elisha prayed and said lord i pray Open his eyes that he may see. Watch this. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains 
The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, in the physical realm, what did the guy see? He saw FBI, SWAT, it's all kind of stuff, and I passed. But what was the reality? What was the reality? What was the spiritual reality? I mean, the reality of the reality. The reality, I mean, the real thing. They were chariots of fire. So, now imagine. So, these guys came with maybe AK-47. They came with, yeah. Is it MPG? What do you call it? What? What? RPG, RPG, yeah, yeah, RPG and stuff like that. And then, not knowing to my PE, that in the realm of the spirit, right, there are mighty angels surrounding me. So if the RPG of the king of Syria or the king of Germany or something, you know, if the RPG can take, can take out maybe one building, uh, the RPG of my angels can take an intensity. The angels with me can blow with the breath of their mouth. They can... You know, they can wipe these guys up. So the reality is that there's protection and security around me, regardless of what I'm seeing. But the mind of every one of us, to a large extent, or very much extent, I've been trained to look at what is happening around us. But I'm telling you that there's a reality, there's a realm that is real. There's a realm where things are real. And that realm is not exposed to our physical eyes. That realm is exposed to our spirit, man. And that's why if we want to transition from the realm of um, what we can see, which drives how we feel and makes us unstable to the realm whereby we are powerful, we are not moved by what we see, and we can command results, we have to begin to believe, we have to begin to study the word of God. So if you want to transition from the realm of emotions to realm of reality. Now, bear this in mind. I'm not talking about physical reality. I'm talking about the reality of the believer. The Bible says that if any man be born again, if any woman be born again, is a new creature. All things are passed away and all things are become new. So when you give your life to Christ, you, you cease to become a natural man. You cease to become a natural woman. You cease to becoming an ordinary human being. The power of God comes to dwell on the inside of you. Like I showed in the book of Ephesians, you know, his Bible says that to them who believe that the power of God is at work in them. Now, you can't feel the power, but the power is at work in you. So the fact that you can't feel it doesn't mean that it's not at work or doesn't mean that God is fake or doesn't mean that God is not real. No. Friends, you are more than what you think. So what is inside of you is more, Okay, okay. What is inside of you is much, much greater than what you can see. I'm, I'm hoping someone is getting fired up this morning. But if you don't begin to believe, if you don't believe, begin to sow the word of God in your heart. If you don't begin to bring to, to narrow down your exposure to what the word of God says, what you see around you will determine the reality you experience. And most of the things you see around you have been plotted, have been skinned, have been worked on for many years in the realm that you cannot see. No building comes up overnight by itself people have taken time to first of all create it to create it on paper they created a blueprint they have brought their imagination to paper they've they've thought about it they've done their analysis they've thought about the resources the material resources that the human the manpower they need to build so when you are seeing a building after it's been constructed and you think that's the beginning or that's all there is to that building uh you are too late because things are first conceived in the unseen and brought to the scene. 
For everything created, there's a two creation. There's a unseen creation. The actually the the non visible creation. This is the way which some people may call blueprint or plan. And then there's a second creation whereby we then put all of these abstract things uh, together to actually have a visible form of things. So if a believer will be smart and intelligent, they should not be waiting to see something before they believe. They must come to learn that the spirit is a realm where things are pulled into being. So this is one of the things that hinders people's in, um, healing. Because pe- some, some people do will not believe they are healed until they feel healed. But the believer must learn to understand that your healing has been paid for, that Jesus has healed you. It is by believing, it is by seeing that healing, by exposing yourself to the word of God, thinking about it, talking about it, watching videos like Andrew Womack's videos where people talk about how they study the word and they receive healing. Not those kind of videos where all they show you, all, they, all there is about is they pour and they emptied a bottle of oil on someone for them to receive healing. The sad part, oh, many, many of you have, no, no, that's many, many of you, oil have been emptied on your head, right? You may feel healed at that point in time, then you go back home and the sickness returns. Then that should, that should make us begin to question that, there's, that what was happening here. And it's one of the reasons why many Christians are not stable. Because what heals you is not the oil. What heals you is the, is the prayer of faith. Is a revelation, understanding, and knowledge that God has healed you. So when the feeling comes to you again, to want to make you feel sick, you stand your ground, you say, you know what, Jesus has paid for my healing and I refuse to allow you sickness come back into my life. I stand my ground against you in Christ Jesus. For Jesus took my infirmities. The word of God did not say he would take. He said he took it. So if Jesus took it, I reject this. Friends, I've gone to pray for people, several people, such that, after praying for them, what they were feeling, I started feeling. You know, imagine you pray for someone, they're having problems, and you left the place, and then what they would describe as your feeling started trying to work in your body. <laughs> but do you know that, that if I've allowed fear and the thought of, ah, I pray for this person, the enemy has come after me, those things will have hit me. There was a particular person I prayed for some time ago, and for four days, what they were feeling, four days, was on Saturday, what they were feeling for four days was, was was trying to invade my body and I could feel the thing. I was like, you know what, you're not coming in. I did not allow fear in my heart. I stood my ground. I said, no, I carry the power of God. And when I pray for people, I release the power of God. I don't take what they carry. And we're on this battle. And it was trying to play on my mind. I was feeling the thing, and I, maybe because I've also trained myself to know when the enemy is trying to play on my mind and trying to invade my life. I stood my ground and on the Thursday, the thing was not there anymore. And that's not the first experience. That's the second one. Amen. So if I'd been a person who lived my life by feelings, I'll be dead by now because I pray for people and things have, that things have happened to you and the enemy want to show up and they're like, you must be joking. I choose to dwell in the place of the word of God, what God says about me. And for over 10 years now, I've consistently seen the truth of God's word manifest the power healing. You know, you can just you just need to ask, ask the members of my church family, like, like this is reality. So what I'm doing in today's uh, service is preparing the ground for us, opening us up to the consciousness of the realm of reality. You don't feel reality. 
in the kingdom of God, we don't feel reality. We know. Then 11.32 said, they that know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploit. It's not talking about feeling. You know, eternal life. When Bible says in the book of John 17.3, and this is eternal life, to know God and to know Christ Jesus, whom he has sent. Whom he has sent to know. Knowledge there, it was not talking about mental knowledge. It's talking about experiential knowledge. It's not a feeling. It's a knowing on the inside. And what makes you know on the inside is exposure to the word of God and choosing to believe and drumming your eyes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And drumming your eyes, your attention to what the word of God says and having spiritual conversations with intelligent Christians, spiritual intelligent Christians. Christians would think, would think in the word of God. Not Christians who have, who have developed philosophy of going to take the inspiration of a prophet and make it the reality of Christian faith. No. And such Christians who are spiritually intelligent are very few. But I can say I'm one of them. Amen. They are very few. Come to Transformers Connect. Then you will see a lot of intelligent Christians there where we are looking into the word of God. We are not going by philosophy or what somebody has said, one prophet. You know, it is spiritual dumbness. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is spiritual dumbness for a pastor to think, and I'm here, I'm being mean a little bit here, it's spiritual dumbness for a pastor to think that I need his father in my life as a prophet over my life. He must be so unintelligent. So this is what happens. So there's a church. Well, I saw their flyer. I was part of this church. And what they say to you is this. You need a prophet over your life. Come into this ministry and the anointing of God over the prophet of this ministry will be upon you. Friends, I'm feeling this holy hunger in my heart now. For someone to believe that it is spiritually dumb, that, that I need your father to connect me with God. So what did Jesus die for? So what's the essence of Jesus coming to give us eternal life? So what is eternal life? It tells me that the man of God doesn't understand what eternal life means because Jesus did not come so that you can keep going to a prophet to connect with God. Jesus came so that you can have access to the father and you can call God your father. Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, let's go there. Ephesians 2, 6. Now, I didn't write this. I didn't write this. So let's start from verse, let's start from verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now listen to this carefully. He said, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So tell me, where is the place of the so-called prophet between me and Jesus here? Because when God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised me together with him. So positionally, spiritually, I am seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. This is why I'm also saying we must come to begin to understand and find out about the true spiritual reality. Now, a believer may feel powerless. A believer may feel the devil is running their life. So that's how they feel. That's how things may seem to appear to the physical eyes. Their circumstances, their challenges may look like that. But that believer needs to come to see that, wait, 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 wait. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. So it is my duty to understand the reality of my spiritual life and to stand, to take my stand in Christ Jesus against this. Jesus said, in my name, you will cast out devils. 
He didn't say you should go to a prophet to cast out devils. I don't know, some, there's a kind of anger in my heart, in my mind, against this manipulation and oppression going on in Christian circles today that has deprived many Christians the ability to walk with God and to have, to have fellowship with God. So if the prophet, now going back to the man of God, if the prophet dies tomorrow, does that mean that my life has ended? So what happened? I mean, how do we make the switch? What happened? Does that mean I'm helpless? So I should start looking for that prophet. That is why I said to you, we must go look for Christians who are spiritually intelligent and will have conversations with them. If you are following these many Christians who are believing they need a prophet in their life, the prophet over the house, the prophet over the house, your life will be stagnated and the devil is going to have a good day on, on your life 24 7 because you can never be completely. Not helping to believe myself this morning. You cannot continue to have com- access to so called man of God and it is not right. Amen. Amen. You know, at Transformers Connect on Wednesday, one of the brothers said something fantastic. You know, those are the kind of spiritual intelligent Christians that I like. Ah, he said, ah, you know what this, the God of this, the God of this person, the God of this person, do something for me. I said, no, 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 it's, it's not right. God is my God too. So when I'm praying, I don't need to say God of Bishop Div, God of Pastor Dees. No, because God is your father. Yeah. Jesus took his time to explain to you that God is your father. He, even, he never asked you to pray the God of Jesus. But God is your father. Amen. Amen. So these are just examples and examples and examples of um, how we are, we are living in a sentimental realm and it seems like a reality. But I'm trying to show us that the real stuff is what the word of God says. So that man of God, with those men of God, those bishops, those archbishops, those men of God, think that they are the intermediary. They are the one that God hears their prayer. I'm thinking, where, where did they find their own position in the word of God? Friends, for the believer, the word of God should be ultimate authority in your life, not what the man of God says. Amen. So as I shut down, let's go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. I think I want to read the NLT. So this is what is um, popularly known as, known as the parable of the sower. I'm going to rush this, but some few things I want to call out just to uh, drive home the point about how to transition from the realm of the emotions to reality. Amen. I cannot unpack all the spiritual reality of the believer in the word of God. I can only call out a few that Holy Spirit lays in my heart. Uh, the one that I got excited about. <clears throat> Amen. Now, so this parable, you can take your time to read it from the from verse 1 down to verse um, verse 23. But I'm going to jump a little bit here. So, um Let's read, I'll read from verse 4 to 8 quickly. Uh, I will summarize it. So the, Jesus said, this farmer went out. Back in the days, the, how the planted seed was by spreading and scattering it, uh, not by, you know, these days we have kind of what they call the furrow, you know, whereby you, you plant the seed in a row kind of thing. But back in the days, they scattered it. And Jesus talked about some fall by the wayside and the birds, birds came to pick them up. So some, they fell into a soil that is shallow and then they grew very quickly and then the sons caught it and they died. And some, they, you know, um, the thorns, they, they, they found a soil to grow, but thorns and thistles grew and they choked those plants and they died. And they said another another category was one that was that was planted on a good soil uh, and they yielded some 30 fold, 60 fold. 
Amen. And even a hundredfold. Now, in verse 20, verse 18, he began to explain what this meant. And he said, this, verse 18, yeah, verse 19, yeah, he said, the seed that the seed that fell on the footpath. But here he's talking about the word. So what was planted here was the word. So in, you know we're talking about how to transition from the realm of emotions to reality. And uh, I've been trying to show us from I've been saying over and over the place of the word. You know, believe in the word, find out what the word of God says. You know, and look at it. Said the seed that verse nineteen said the seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. So if you want to be able to see reality come to pass for real, for real, for real in your life, you need to commit yourself to understanding the word of God. It's not just what I teach on Sunday. And this is one of the reasons why I love the Transformers Connect, because that is where people assess their understanding, listen to other people, read the word of God for themselves, speak. You know, uh, it's, it's a platform I, I, I encourage everyone to, you know, Get into this. Get into it. Transformers Connect on Wednesday. You know, I, I I like what one sister said to me yesterday. She said she has told her family members Wednesday. Once it's seven forty-five, no conversation. I'm going online with Transformers Connect, and that blesses me, right? And she said, you know, some friends organized a birthday party for their kids on Wednesday. The way she looked at them, they knew that Wednesday was not going to work. You know, that's to tell you how people's life have been transformed and been blessed in Transformers Connect. And it's a 10-week cycle. Some of us, we can watch we can watch all manner on Netflix for 10, 12 hours at a stretch. But 90, 90 minutes that would, that would change your life on Wednesday, just for 10 weeks, for a quarter, and then another 10 weeks, is a problem. So we are now thinking, why is our, why are we empty spiritually? Because we are not giving ourselves to the things of the, to the, things of the kingdom. Amen. So let's carry on. He said that, <clears throat> now so because they did not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So understanding has a lot to do with how well you can be stable and how long you can be stable holding on to God's word. Many Christians can quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but I can tell you that they cannot even understand the tenet of the gospel, what it means to be born again. They don't understand. Some people, one man said one day, he said, I read the Bible cover, uh, back to back six times. And she does not understand what the gospel means. So it's not about how many times you have read your Bible. Do you understand what you're reading? Why do I spend time explaining, using illustrations to explain just one point to help our understanding? Amen. The second seed, second um, soil type. He said the sixth category, the seed on the rocky soil represents represent those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So persecution, when people come against you, attack you after you've come out of a very beautiful service or and a service where you are touched the word of God or your Bible study, if you don't, no, we're talking about anger, right? If you don't guard your heart against the, I'm trying to be nice now because some of them might be your member, family members. If you, not, if you don't get your heart against the, the silly attitude of a family member, the word of God in your heart can be corrupted. This is one of the reasons why I try as much as possible to avoid people who cause strife. Because if you live in an atmosphere whereby it is strife 24-7, no matter how well they are teaching you the word of God, it will not grow in your heart because they'll keep choking it out. Amen. Especially if there are people that you look up to or the authority figures in your life. Amen. 
then verse 22 says, The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. So when you hear the word of God and you are so much, you're so much given to uh, cryptocurrency, how much is my cryptocurrency doing? I want my crypto, my crypto to grow. I want to. I will use the word blow. Blow means I want to. Uh, I want. I want. I want. I want to experience financial exploit. You know, some is. Uh, you know, some are just so concerned about something that's not working. Maybe they made that. Maybe maybe they don't have the best car, or their their neighbor is richer than them. All manner of nonsense that our flesh and the mind puts to us which we call the keys of the world that just choke the word of God and doesn't allow the word of God to grow in our heart. And that's why churches where they have celebrate, a celebrity culture, such churches, the people do are not stable in the word of God. Go and check. They are never stable in the word of God. Every church that has a celebrity culture, the people cannot grow. Amen. Because people will always be thinking of how to become a celebrity, how to outdo another, and they will never be focused on Christ. Amen. Then the final one, he said the seed, verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represent those who truly hear and understand. Truly hear. I know we're meeting online very soon. We're going to be going face to face and um, we're going to be running kind of a hybrid. So some, um, some people connect with us from Nigeria, from the US. Um, well, we thank God for you know, for for making this ministry worth what people will, uh, you know, which would prefer to connect with as opposed to where they're going, which is not a good news or a good repetition for the uh, for for all for churches as believers. You know, uh, I saw that I hardly can find churches in in some people's areas where I can send them to, and they have to they have to come back and connect with us online. It's not a good testimony for the body of Christ, and I'm hoping that someone watching me or listening to me will begin to think and ask, Lord, what would you have me do and how would you have me go about it and step up and be mature because we can reach everybody in the world and uh, we just have to start stamp, stepping up to be a blessing to other people and for God to walk through us. Amen. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So the, the seed that fell on good soil represent those who, hear, who truly hear and understand. You know, though we're meeting online, Right, uh, I, I believe that people are are truly he- hearing, and uh, they, they also with Transformers Connect and other meetings that we have in Trans in Transformers Church, they, are, they in help is helping their understanding. But if you want to be able to um, see the reality of your Christian life or what God has done for you in Christ Jesus and walk in it, you know, to, to stop praying for power, stop praying for anointing, you need to truly hear what the Word of God says and understand it. You need to study the Word of God. It has to be your personal life. See, people should not be reading the Bible because they want God to be happy with them. You, you should be reading the Bible because you want to know the things that have been freely given unto you. I repeat that. You should be reading the Bible so that you can know what God has given to you. What is yours spiritually? The Bible says in the book of Ephesians 1.3, he said, he said, Blessed be the God and our, and our Father of our Lord Christ Jesus, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you don't need to pray for more blessing. You have been blessed already. You just need to discover the blessings that God has given you, speak them, confess them, receive them, believe them, walk in them, and you see them manifest in the physical. Don't forget what I said earlier on. It's start from the realm of the spirit, realm of the spiritual, what you cannot see. The Bible tells us that you and I are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where are you seated? I'm sitting in um, in my house, in my in our church studio here. My wife is behind the camera. Physically, we are not there. But positionally, spiritually, 
in the reality of fact, of spiritual reality, when it comes to dealing with the forces of this world, my wife and I, and the members of the church family, we are seated in the place of authority. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, and then the more, to the degree we hear and understand, it also determines whether we produce a 30-fold, a 60-fold, a 100-fold. Friends, I hope I've been a blessing one week or the other, helping you to see that there's a reality, and which is a state of how things truly exist. And for the believer, the reality is not what you see on the physical realm. The reality is what the Word of God says about the realm of the Spirit and what God has given to you in Christ Jesus. And we have to go find these things out. And we have to train ourselves to speak reality to ourselves when we are feeling contrary to what reality is. I give an example of anger. So if you are feeling depressed, you have to learn to speak reality because in your spirit is joy. Galatians chapter 5 said the spirit, the, the fruits the Holy Spirit produces in you, among them is joy. So when you are feeling depressed, you say to yourself, the reality of my spirit, of my condition is joy. So I choose to rejoice. And you get yourself joyful. Whatever you need to do to be joyful, right? I'm not going to go and binge Netflix. Uh, read the word of God, you know, speak in tongues, you know, bless someone. You know, you need to discover what has been given to you in Christ Jesus because those things documented in the word of God are the as the real spiritual reality of every believer, not what we feel. Amen. I'm going to shut down here. So, guys, thank you for connecting with us. Wednesday, uh, my wife and I, you know, uh, we, are, we, are, we are in that point where we, we want to, you know, in my, in, I'm an IT person, we want to either decommission the system and switch on one, right? So, we are in a point whereby we want to kind of decommission, transform us, um, catch up with Tony and Jolomi and, and, and switch on the production environment you know, discover, um, become. So we might go live with that this week. We're working towards it. Uh, or it might be next week, but between now and next week, we're going to be switching to discover and become right. So, but transformers connect remains. I think we've had four weeks now. We have another six weeks to go. So if you have not, if you have not been connecting with transformers connect, go on the description below. You see how to connect, how to register, register, and don't only, don't only sorry, sign up and don't only sign up, show up. God bless you. All right, guys, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the day and have a blessed week.